0: Welcome to the Wicked Good Momcast, a podcast for Boston moms by Boston moms, a space to hear stories from real moms to celebrate the beauty of motherhood and to normalize its challenges. Tune in while you fold laundry, commute to work or school, or get cozy after a long day in the trenches. Motherhood is hard, but it doesn't have to be lonely. You are a Wicked Good Mom. And now, here are your Wicked Good Momcast hosts, Megan and Shannon. Hello, Wicked Good MomCast listeners. You are in for such a treat today. I am talking to Boston TV personality, Parker Kelly. In this episode, Parker and I are discussing her 25 plus years experience writing, producing, and hosting television shows all while raising two sons. If you are a mom in the thick of balancing your career and raising your children wondering, how do I do it all? Then you will definitely want to hear from this local mom who has been there and come out on the other side. Our guest today has been a TV host and journalist in Boston for shows like New England Boating on Nesson, New England Living on CBS, and currently Home Life and Style on ABC. She also launched her own production company with her husband, Blue View Productions, and she very recently finished filming the renovation of her historic 1813 house, which you will be able to watch on ABC Boston this winter. Parker, I know you are a busy lady, and I'm thrilled (laughs) that you made time to come on the show. Welcome. Oh, thank you,
1: Shannon. Thanks so much for having me, and congratulations on your first season. Thank you. That's exciting. Yes,
0: it's exciting.
1: We made it. (laughs) And that's one of the kind of shifts that we do as mothers to figure out, okay, how can I still ignite my own brain and care for my children and still be productive and not feel like I've missed too many beats? I mean, I think that's a great shift.
0: A hundred percent, Yes. I wanted to start with a little history about how you and I became acquainted. So I've been following you since before I even lived in Massachusetts, probably since 2013 or 14. Um, my husband grew up an avid Boston sports fan. So wherever we live, we always purchase a sports package that has Nessun. It has okay. to be on our TV. <laughs> and so while we were living out of state, we discovered New England Boating. And at the time we had visited Boston and knew that this is where we wanted to relocate and raise our family, but we had no idea at the time how that was actually going to happen or when it would happen. So I I have to remind myself that every day we live here now is truly our dream coming true. And watching you on New England Boating allowed us to kind of live vicariously through you as you visited all these beautiful (laughs) places that we were so longing for and we would even joke as we were daydreaming, like, oh, you know, as soon as we get there, we're going to have to become friends with Parker <laughs> because we <you laughs> felt like we knew you from watching so many seasons of the show. Um, well, thank you. That's a long, lot to live up to. And actually, that happens quite often.
1: I have a house in Vero and I went there to our condo and the we like share, have two sides of a condo. And I went up there thinking I was going to just kind of relax for my season, go there, hide away. And the people came out and they were like, oh, Parker Kelly from New England Boating. Yeah. And and they had all the shows on on recording. They had all the shows. They were continually watching them. And it has been for, you know, several years since it's been on. I mean, they're still on the website, but they were just such huge fans. That was a lot to live up for. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just like, hey, I'm just a regular person like everyone else. I just love to tell stories.
0: Well, and one thing I want to share about you, Parker, mm-hmm. is that you are so friendly and gracious to your social media followers. And you're always responding to comments on your post. And I think that's kind of how I became acquainted with you, is you would respond to my comments. And then at one point while we were still living out of state, I don't know if you remember this, but you and my husband are actually kind of in the same work industry. And you got on a call together. This was probably like
1: I believe I was 2015. Writing a sto- I think I was writing a story for a magazine, and he was the photographer um on that shoot. I think it was a designer.
0: Well, and you were so gracious to talk to Ben as, again, we were still living out of state trying to plug in up here and figure out like, how do we meet this big mm-hmm. move? And on the call, you said to him, so when are you coming? <laughs> and it took a few <laughs> years, but we made it. And to be talking to you now is really a beautiful full circle moment for me personally. So again, awesome. thank you for being so kind and truly thank you for being on the show today. No, absolutely.
1: And you know what? I love to interact as much as I can on social media with the people who write me because a lot of people take the time to just you know say just very nice things to me and and so many of them I feel like I at least need to say you know thank you so much for saying that I mean it means a lot it means a lot the way that people respond and you just don't know you know it's kind of like this big blank world out there and it's just through little texts and on your phone and it's different from having tea and sitting down with your friends. It's, you know, it's a different kind of a thing and you, you kind of cultivate it differently.
0: Right. And we're just, I think we're all looking for that connection.
1: Definitely. One of the reasons I moved to Marion, which is one of the 75 towns that I featured for coastal destinations on New England boating. So I had been to 75 of them. Cap and I used to travel 7,500 miles a summer, towing a boat mm. with a truck and, and visiting the town sh- showcasing you know, where to get a bite to eat, where to get a cocktail, a little history, a little culture. Mm -hmm. And we got to know a lot of places. My dog, my little Maltipoo, who's sitting next to me, his name is Camden after Camden, Maine, Mm -hmm. which is another great place I love.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) So now I have my fur baby, (laughs) but my my big babies are, are, are up and out. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. How old are your kids now? Um, My sons are 23 and 25. Okay. Well, Mm -hmm. let's, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into journalism and hosting television shows? Well, it's
1: a little bit complex in that I actually wanted to go to get my doctorate in dramaturgy.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: because I'm a big theater fan, and I, I always played Barbies, and my Barbies never changed their clothes. Like Skipper stayed in that same tankini, mm-hmm. and ba- Barbie never changed her clothes. I was all about the story, and I loved theater, and I love studying theater, and I love contemporary drama, and I wanted to go get my doctorate. My mom said, "You know, you're putting off reality. Go get a job." But the thing is, is I kind of had always also loved like Evening Magazine and that rapport between the co-hosts. I really love that banter and that witty kind of you know energy that happens when there's two people. I mean, I host now, but I try to get that from the person I'm interviewing in that same kind of a dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I started right in college. I had a news newsroom job, and I knew I didn't want to do news. Um, I'm much more a lifestyle person, you know, much more um, someone who just really enjoys meeting different people. And I just knew I didn't want to do news, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, too, too factual and not enough for your flavor and for for the, you know, the soft edges. And so, um, yeah, I got my job right uh, after my internship, I was hired to be an associate producer and uh, a production assistant. And then I just, that's just the way the old world worked in TV where you would move up as you went. But I, my, my goal was never to be a host per se. I was always a writer and a producer first Mm -hmm. and, and it's very unique for somebody like I am to actually host and produce the same show. Most of the hosts are more actor type people Mm -hmm. and they usually are separate from the actual like writing and producing of the show. So I have control over all of it, which is, is, is a unique, kind of a unique thing.
0: Right. Definitely. Well, and you're right. Again, with my husband being kind of in the same industry, it's definitely, you you have to climb that ladder. (laughs) You have to climb every single step. And then I got a show, I had a show in Virginia um,
1: that they actually wanted me to host it. I went to to produce it, but they want me to host it. And I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed being on camera too. Um, I really try to shine other people's lights. I really, I'm not like, Sort of a Guy Fieri type who's just like out there, like uh, you know, like I'm just I'm not nothing against him. I think he's awesome, but it's just like my style is more trying to bring the light out of the people who are with me. And even though I'm on camera, I try to be a little bit more sort of back and just like let the light shine. If yeah. that makes sense, yeah. So I had this um, job down in Virginia, and it was for PBS, and it was called Blue Ridge Journal, and I hosted and produced that show for uh, a few years. And got to learn all different kinds of, you know, places from Charlottesville to Lexington to like all over the Shenandoah Valley, which I didn't know anything about at the time. So it was interesting. I, I mean, I met a ton of people. I mean, I, I rode on a on a Harley Davidson with a preacher. I, <laughs> I went on, on a on a horseback riding with an 84-year-old cowboy. I did this story on this woman who was a crossing guard for 60 years. I had a woman who had um, MS, and she painted with a mouth stick. Her Her family had to put her in a hospital because they just couldn't take care of her anymore because she had severe MS. But in her whole hospital, there's paintings all over the walls.
0: Mm.
1: And she painted just with her mouth. I mean, and what she told me is she was inspired by some of my shows where here I was like completely just blown away by the courage of this woman. Mm. And she was saying, oh, that boy with leukemia, that really meant like she was like quoting my own shows to me. Oh, wow. Which was just amazing, Mm. I thought. But it was a great experience down there. And that was the kind of
0: climbing the ladder type thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what did your career start to look like after your sons were born?
1: Well, you know, I was living in Seattle when I decided I wanted to have children. I, I quit the, um, the PBS job, which, you know, I found out later, you know, to have your own show, you know, named after you and have the whole thing and to leave it doesn't mean it's going to be that easy to just get right back in. Mm -hmm. But at the time I wanted to have children, but I'm like a kind of a all or nothing person. So it might be different from some of your other viewers who are, and, and listeners who are, you know, who can multitask in lots of ways. I'm a hyper-focused person. Mm -hmm. So when I'm training for the triathlon, I'm all about training for training for the triathlon. Right. And when I'm doing a TV show, I'm all about that. And I knew when I had my children, I was going to have to pivot and I was going to have to do something different. So I joined this group called Mothers and More in Seattle, and they believed that you can have it all, but just not all at once. Yeah. And for me, that just resonated because I want it all. But I really felt like that my, my best self was to not try to do it all at once. So I took a few years off and I, I went back. I got my master's. I, I did a lot of art classes. You know, I spent a lot of time on my sort of my intellectual self, which is a little bit different, and my artistic self. But at the same time, I was like still learning. Like Even though I wasn't doing my career, you think sometimes you're just in this little vacuum and that when you leave your career, you're not really doing anything. But the fact is, you're still growing. You still have opportunity for massive growth. And I feel like during all my art classes and my printmaking and my being part of art galleries and getting my master's degrees and communicating through the arts, all while raising the kids, I felt it was great because I got to be with them. When I was with them, I was completely present. Mm -hmm. My job was like 70 hours a week doing TV. And I knew I couldn't do that and then be wholly connected to my children. So for me, I decided to just take a little step back.
0: And I think that self-awareness is so important to, I think that's part of, quote unquote, doing it all is realizing what your boundaries are, what you can do and what you can't do. And it's okay if there are some things that you can't do in certain seasons.
1: Yeah. And I I did try when we came back to Duxbury and we were living on the South shore for a while. And I tried to work at my son's Montessori school when he was three, you know, separation three is supposed to be, you know, pretty good in terms of separation. Mm -hmm. And he would help me clean up the classroom and he would help me you know, um. set out the lunches and all that other thing. But every day he'd have his little backpack, you know, looked like that yertle, the turtle or whatever with the big backpack. Yes. And he'd walk <laughs> by and he'd just be crying. And then when I would stay with the extended day kids, he, he would just cry every day. And the, the headmaster said to me, you know, if you had a magic wand, what would you do? And I said, I would just go back to staying home with him. He's not ready. Yeah. He, he's, he's not ready. And then I remember my friends would call me when I had my time alone with him when my other son was still in school. And my friend would call me and want to talk. And I said, I'm not talking right now. This is my like my only time with my youngest son while my oldest son's at school and we're painting.
0: I'll call you later. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of prioritize that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let me ask you this. So during Mm -hmm. the time that you're home with your kids and you're focusing Mm -hmm. on that, Mm -hmm. Are you missing your career? No, no, because I had a good 10 years
1: before I did that. Yeah. And I I did feel like I was missing not the career per se, like, you know, the the, 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 the fanfare of it all. I wasn't missing that part, but I, I was still continuing to feed that part of me that was intellectual and that needed. I, I, let's just put it this way what mother can wipe a high chair 15 times a day and not go insane? Right. Like, I, I like I was like, you know, I had to, I had to feed the other part of me too. I couldn't just wipe the high chair because mm-hmm. I, I would have been numb. You know, it, it is a mind numbing job parenting young kids, but it's also fascinating. I couldn't even believe how fascinating they were. Right. You know, I, I just, I, I wanted to know when they went, eh, that I knew exactly what they were talking about. That thing that we saw in the park that day was a I eh, I wanted to just know all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But no, I didn't really miss it at the time. I was really just invested in just spending the time and just loving that. And it went so fast, Shannon. Like, you know, I used to think, oh my gosh, if I have to walk on another Lego with my bare feet, like if I have to walk, and now I would just, I would die for
0: some Legos on my carpet right now, you know, and it just goes fast. It goes really, really fast. So this week, actually, I was uh, at the store with my youngest Mm. and he wanted a toy and we're not getting a toy. We were like two weeks from Christmas. And so, you know I'm saying? Like in the store of like bargaining with him and saying like, right. no, we're not doing this. We're here for mm-hmm. such and such. Mm-hmm. And this older mom was watching me and she came over and I've had this experience multiple times parenting mm-hmm. young children. But she said, you know, she smiled at me and she said, I know it's so hard, but I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of miss what you're going through right now. Yeah, And mm-hmm. I always say, I feel that so genuinely, like coming from a mom who's been there before, I know they miss it. But also in that moment, it doesn't take away like the frustration that I'm feeling. You know? Right. Right. And I was always
1: a big fan of uh, validation. Yes. So I, I was really into the validation of the children where they were. And I'd say, I know you really, really want a toy. And I wish I could give you the whole store of toys, but we're not going to do that. And Or choices, you know, do you want to hop right. to the car or jump to the car? Or do you want to, fly to the car or walk to the car, you know, so I was about validation and about choices. And it really helped me, I think, get ahead of some of those, those frustrating parts where your kids are now at a developmental level and you're not quite ahead of them yet. Mm -hmm. So I would try to like read books and get ahead of that and then be kind of
0: like, okay, come on, bring it. Right. So
1: I'm ready. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) But I enjoyed it. And now they're, they're adult men.
0: So, well, and how old were they when you kind of picked your career back up?
1: I would say they were uh,
0: pretty much right after we went to school
1: because I started doing uh, I started doing videos from my company called Robo Productions at the time. And I was doing nonprofit videos uh, for fundraisers and galas. I was doing documentaries. I was doing family documentaries. So it wasn't like traveling Mm -hmm. or being on camera, but I was still doing, you know, and sometimes I would be editing. You know, I like to edit in big chunks, just like I told you, I'm a big focus person. So I'd edit, you know, 15 hours in a row. And we'd be in this little room and they'd be asleep on the floor and I'd be editing Mm -hmm. and they'd be asleep on the carpet underneath my feet, you know? So, um, but yeah, no, I would say it was, it was right when they went to school, I started bringing it in piece by piece by piece again to make sure I wasn't losing it.
0: Yeah. Was it hard to get back into your work after having that kind of break? Uh,
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think so because I... I didn't work for another company. And and after that, Uh so, so from then on, I just hung my own shingle out. Yeah. So, so it's a different kind of not nine to five or not nine to eight. It's, it's a 24 hour entrepreneurship. So it's a different kind of a thing. So I didn't feel like it was, it was really that hard, but there were times like when my son was a teenager and I had to do New England boating and New England, New England living at the same time, mm-hmm. where I brought him with me and he was the photographer because he was interested in photography. So he would take photos on the shoot or he would just help lug gear. And then one year I sent him to Guatemala on a service trip while I went and did my filming. You know, I didn't want him staying home alone mm-hmm. and I wanted to give him some like meaning on the road with us and bring him with us. But that was challenging. I mean, that was really challenging to have a 14 year old with you when you're with your, you know, cameramen and your, Camera women, and your and your lighting people, and your co-host, and your you know director.
0: I mean, literally juggling juggling both major aspects of your life at the same time. (laughs) Absolutely, and I remember, like, no,
1: here I am supposed to be host, but here's my 14 year old saying, "I'm hungry and I need to you know." So, so yeah, and just trying to make sure that everybody was everyone's mood. You know, I was just like regulating everybody's mood on the set Mm -hmm. because they were they were definitely. um, Challenges to that.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: But you remind me of that. I've already forgotten about all of that until you remind
0: me. <laughs> See, yeah, <laughs> I gotta bring it to the surface. <laughs> um, what would you say to a mom who is struggling with maybe feeling guilty for pursuing her career or not, maybe not even career, but like a passion outside of her kids right now?
1: Well, first I feel it's important just to validate your own feelings.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if you're feeling, just acknowledge it. You know, yeah. acknowledge this is what I'm feeling, but then make your decision on, you know, why am I doing this and how does this also ultimately benefit my son or my daughter? Because at the end of it, when they're adults, you still need to have a viable self, right? So you, you, you do need to continue to feed in whatever way you can, those things that continue to make you grow, because you don't want to get on the other side, have your kids be grown and then have, have, don't know anything about yourself at all.
0: Well, and I love that's kind of been a thread through this conversation Mm. is that you you said, you know, when you were stay at home mom, you were still working on yourself. You were still preparing for the next chapter when you got to go Mm -hmm. back to work. Um, And I, I agree with you. I think that that's so important. And it's so good to model that example for our kids, because who doesn't want their kids to be driven and successful? And they have the opportunity to see that firsthand through mom. I think that's an incredible Gift to a really hard thing, <laughs> yeah. But also to to keep in connection with other
1: people. Like mm-hmm. you can't stay in the bubble of just your kids. You need yes. to connect with women. You need to connect with people of different ages. I'm just I'm completely not an ageist. I have friends who are in their 80s. Um, I have friends who are in their 70s. I have friends who are in their 30s. I believe it's good to just keep you know keep keep yourself connected to your home, but also don't isolate. That's what I think drives most mothers crazy is when you're completely isolated right. and you, and you feel alone and you feel you feel empty and you feel like you have no purpose except for wiping those high chairs. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important just to make sure that you're connected. Still, you need to you know re- retain some of your mature connectedness and not get all swept up in in like the baby stuff, which is which is great and wonderful and a hundred percent. I was into it. At the same time, I still need to nurture those parts of me that I knew would someday fly again.
0: Absolutely. That's something that we actually talk about a lot on the podcast Mm. is having a village surrounding you and, you know, connecting with, well, what we've talked about is connecting with other moms, but what I'm kind of thinking, talking to you, you know, it doesn't just need to be a mom on the playground or a mom's group, which, you know, a lot of times People that we've talked to on the show have said, well, that's kind of like awkward or hard to approach, you know, new moms group or you don't know anyone. But maybe it's like you're saying, maybe it's connecting to a professional group and you're still kind of keeping your skills (laughs) sharp for the time when you're ready to move back into your work or, you know, just anything that you are passionate about. There are ways to connect not only to other people, but connect to yourself. and, And you're still that person that had those passions and having children doesn't change that.
1: Yeah. And if you have a good partner, which I think is important to have a good partner who also understands that, and you can sort of work with that partner to get that time and carve out that time. I mean, the very first thing I moved here is I joined the women's club and then I joined the church and then I joined the yacht club. And now, you know, I'm part of the Marian arts center. And I immediately, when I got here, because after Montessori, I found like all the kids left Montessori, they all went to different high schools. And I lost my mom network and that's all I had Mm -hmm. is the mom network. So once that was all gone, I felt very isolated. I I just, so the first thing I did when I moved here a year and uh, eight months ago, two years ago is just connect with people. And I've learned so much from the older women in this town who've grown through here and who've raised their children. And I've learned so much from, you know, just, just everything. I've just learned a lot and I'm, I'm connected. I feel like I have friends here. I can have tea and I can have coffee and I can go for walks and, I'm not isolated. I, I I don't, I think isolating yourself is like the worst thing you can do.
0: Right. Well, and it should go without saying, but I'm going to say this anyway, that some of the mm-hmm. things we were talking about, everyone's circumstances and situation is different. Some mm-hmm. people financially might not be able to make the transition to just stay at home. Um, some people don't have the partner to lean on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know for myself, when we moved here, I had no family to lean on mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. just. Me and I'm like you. I joined a ton of different moms groups and church groups because I knew I needed support in that capacity because I didn't have it in other ways. So, just a little disclaimer. And you can but- also
1: yeah, and you can also be support, and you don't even realize how oh, much when so you true. plug in, you are also support for those other people who come. Absolutely. In. I mean, yeah. it's just a interconnectedness that I think is is vital. Yeah. And you know, I'm I'm only right of center, Shannon. Like most people think. You know, because I'm a TV host, I'm like really extroverted, but I'm just right of center. Mm -hmm. So I do need my my quiet time, my process time, my you know all that kind of time. But I do push myself kind of out of my comfort zone to join these things because I'm not traditionally a joiner. I'm a little bit of a you know beats to the own drum thing. Mm -hmm. But I feel it's it's been beneficial to me. I mean, I'm really glad I I did push myself to do that. I was invited, and I said, okay, I'm going to go. Yeah, definitely. And it has helped. It's helped. It's helped a lot.
0: One of the reasons I wanted to do this interview with you is because I see the photos you post of you and your sons on social media Mm -hmm. and the touching words that you write about them. There just seems to be such a bond there. And something I personally wonder about having young kids at home right now is what will my relationship with my kids look like when they are teens, when they are in college, when they're adults? And my desire is obviously that we would still spend time together, as your family does, and that mm-hmm. they would still want their dad and I in their lives. But I'm curious, how do you maintain such a strong connection with your adult kids?
1: Well, I would say, first of all, you just need to shift your expectations, okay? Um, because they have their own voices and they have their own choices, mm-hmm. and and so you need to shift on. Okay, so the son that used to hold my leg and be like up mommy, up, 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 mommy, up, 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 I don't hear from him for like, you know, a month. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not gonna call me every day. He's got a girlfriend, he's got a job, he's going to school. And and that's the part is the shifting of the expectations of what this relationship is going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be the same and it's not going to be hallmark. It's going to have its clunky moments. But I think as long as you honor where they are and try not to imbue all of your th- ideas of who they should be. Because I definitely had my ideas of who my kids should be. And I think they they teach you when they're young who they are. Mm-hmm. Like very early on, they teach you who they are. And if you honor that, I think just continue to honor that all the way through. And then it'll happen organically with your teenagers and then your after they get married and all those things will just happen organically. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress for a minute you're not going to be close as long as you continue to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And as long as you continue to, to honor who they are at every stage, which is different. They are changing more than we are, you right. know, faster. And oh. their world's faster and they're changing more. And as long as you
0: can honor wh- where that's at, I think your, your, your relationship's gonna be great. That is such a good word. That is very wise. Cause you're right. We all, the minute we find out we're pregnant or hold our tiny little baby, we have dreams for them. You can't help it. You have ideas of who they might become, but to give them the freedom to be who they're supposed to be in Mm -hmm. this world. I think that's just very wise. And they do have to mark their own path,
1: right? And it might not be our path, just it might not. And I I have struggled with that with my older son in particular, Um, just allowing him to just be where he's at at this moment. doesn't mean that he's going to be there forever. This is where he's figuring it out. It's a complex world for kids these days, you know? It's yes. there's a lot of choices and and they have to discover who they are. So no, it's it's but yeah, seeing them at Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and their birthday, or we go for a sale a sale trip maybe once or twice a summer. Um, it's it's magical. I, I it's just I love hearing my adult children. They're just they're interesting and they're and they're polite and they're kind and they're just good men.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. And I feel like this is such a testament to the world that we're living in. So I'm looking at your social media and I'm seeing, you know, these beautiful pictures of you and your family and your, your warm words about them. And then I think I'm going to write this down where you said, it's not always smooth. Sometimes it's clunky, Yeah. you know? And so you never know what's going on behind the scenes. No, of course not. Well, social media, you know, is a sort of a
1: narcissistic endeavor anyway, right. and, and we're supposed to be. <laughs> you know, presenting ourselves on our best light, like you would your school picture, right? I mean, you don't see all the kids picking their nose on the school picture. You see, you see their cute little hair parted to the side and they're neatly combed in a sweater and stuff like that. So, so there is some truth to what you're saying that, that, yeah, it is clunky. I mean, life is clunky. It wouldn't be life if it was perfect, but the social media does distort things, I think for all of us. Right. In terms of how often I see them, I don't see them as often as I would love to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I adore every minute that I'm with them. I just, I, you know, I, I just eat it up. I do. Yeah. And they don't know how much it means to me because they just don't have the wisdom for that. Right. They don't really, really get it. Right. You know, like this, this year we were supposed to do our Christmas tree. We do um, the day after Thanksgiving, we go and we cut it down. But my youngest son had his girlfriend, and then he wanted to go to his girlfriend's house for cr- you No, know, it was it was clunky. It it wasn't the same thing that we've always done. You know, bagels and locks in the morning, and it just it wasn't. And so that's where the expectations shifting, right, comes into play yeah. for me. For me, because no, if I keep those sense. expectations realistic, then uh, I'm going to be a lot less sad, and I'm going to be enjoy the actual time I do get with them.
0: Well, and that I think that's key is just being able to make those memories whatever circumstance you're presented with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, they
1: don't let me take photos of them uh, actually very often. So the fact that I am able to post any of those things about how much I love them and I (laughs) just, because, you know, ever since they were probably 13, it's just like no photos, mom. Yeah. No, no, mom. No, no, no. (laughs) I was like, well, how about no, no, mom. No. (laughs) So I'm lucky if I can get a photo, you know, sons may be different from daughters. I don't know, but you know, they're definitely not posing their hand on the hip saying, take more of me, right. take more of me.
0: <laughs> They're definitely not doing that. And I guess that's okay. <laughs> well, let's transition just a little bit. I want to talk about what you are currently working on in your career because it's very cool.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, this is, I think, the sixth sixth season of this genre of home life and style, which I designed really selfishly because I thought, do you know the, the children's book, Give a Mouse a Cookie? Mm-hmm. Well, That's kind of how I designed the show. I was like, it's nice to see somebody's home, but I really want to know why they live where they live. And I'd like to have them give me the tour. But if they give me the tour, I also want to know something that is indicative of where they live and what they do. So if they kayak, we kayak. And then I'm like, well, they have a great kitchen, so we probably should cook in it. And if we're going to cook, we should have a chef. And if we're going to have a chef, we should have a party. So I kind of just evolved it toward my own. Interests, kind yeah. of H- HGTV meets the Food Network meets the Travel Channel. Let's just get it all in there. And um, so, yeah, it's it's a lo- it's a lot of work to produce this kind of a show, though. It's 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 you know, and it's, it's really just Cap and me, and a, maybe a freelancer. Like we just don't have a big big team. We keep it very slim. So I don't have the whole like you know thirty team crew who's mm-hmm. out there. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, I I'm going to be still doing Home Life and Style. I might I might pivot a little bit again and, and do it a little bit differently as, as it grows, as I grow, as I see what my audience really is interested in. I mean, the reason I did the renovation was because of COVID. Oh, you're
0: talking about your home renovation. Yeah. Yeah. I started,
1: I started with the one on sunset point. That's because I couldn't go to other people's homes and feature them. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, what am I going to do? This is my livelihood. This is our whole, this is our whole eggs in our basket. What are we going to do? And so we said, well, why don't we just do one of our houses that we fix and flip every year? And we did and people liked it. So that's why I did this one. But this one was massive. So I'm still going to finish up editing these pieces. It'll be six episodes, uh, hopefully airing in first quarter. And, um, you know, it, it obviously supply chain, everything took a little bit longer to do, but I'm really proud of it. It's like, you know, 4,000 square foot. It's like I designed it to a T. I might do more design consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily want to be a designer where I'm like, you know, doing the whole reveal and making sure the couch person puts it in the right space. but. <laughs> I might do more design. And then I also own New England Boating again. Do you? Mm-hmm. I did so, not know that. Yeah, we, we had we had sold it and then we bought it back. And so the website gets tons and tons and tons of hits, like just the content on the website. Mm-hmm. So we may do just small pieces for that. We may do another show. We may do another, another New England Boating show. I don't know, but I know that we just bought it back. I'm excited about that.
0: I'm excited about that. Yeah,
1: and then I I have my real estate stuff. I still dabble in, but Cap and I are looking into uh, doing a a solar farm. Yeah, so so, but I don't think I could ever really get completely out of TV. I just I love people so much. I love the stories. I love, you know, I love all of that. So I'm not going to be ending my TV career anytime soon until they kick me off. But um, (laughs) no, I, I think what's up is. Is more of that maybe, maybe carving out a little bit more time for relaxation, not so busy, 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 maybe more, maybe more theater because I've done a lot of theater, maybe more art classes, maybe writing haikus every day, you know, a little more balance, I think would be good. I think that that's what, that's what 2023 is going to look like for me. I love that.
0: Well, I will make sure to link all of your social media and website information in our show notes. So listeners can continue to follow you in all your ventures. (laughs) At the end of every show, we ask all of our guests the same question. So Parker, yes. Ooh, intriguing. What are you loving about living in greater Boston right now?
1: Well, I love just the village. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'll tell you a quick story. I uh, I went to Vero and Cap came back to film the windows being put in. And he went to the general store. And the general store um, manager, Jack, said to Cap, tell Parker I'm very upset with her. And he's like, What? What? So I called Jack at the general store. You know, he's like probably in his late 70s and he owns it. And I said, Jack, what's going on? He's like, Parker, this is a small town and we care about each other. You didn't come in to get your coffee. You didn't come in to get your newspaper. Ugh. And I was worried about you. And I was like, Is that creepy or is that awesome? I said, I think that's awesome. Yeah. So so that's what I'm loving about it. And you know, we try to get to Providence and New Bedford and Boston, and my kids are still up in the Boston and Portland area. So you know, I love the whole New England, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Boston born Cape Cod raised new Englander. So
0: mm-hmm. I love it all. I don't know. I can't say anything. I don't love about it. The community though, that is spot on. I agree with that. And Boston, you think of it and you think like big city, but actually it's a lot smaller than you would think. I feel like yeah, everyone knows someone you have a mm-hmm. connection somehow.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you go to like Brookline or you go to Chestnut Hill or you go to like these little enclaves and they have their little neighborhoods, like in Somerville, they have their they do. They it, it's a it's big, but it's cut up into very small little pieces and they all integrate.
0: Yes. Well Parker, it was an yes. absolute joy to chat with you today. Thank you so well, much you for too. joining me. And thank you for being so um kind. <laughs> listeners this was our last episode for season one and I cannot (laughs) thank you enough for supporting the podcast as we learned the ropes this year thank you for listening for rating us and for sharing with your friends I'm very excited to announce that we will be back next month in 2023 with season two in the meantime keep telling your friends about our podcast and thank you for taking a quick minute to leave us a positive review wherever you stream podcasts and don't forget you are a wicked good mom (laughs) Best to you, Shannon.